Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The FT. A pension offer you can refuse. Why incentives to leave company schemes now face a crackdown. A low mortgage rate that's not worth having. Are two-year fixes a waste of time? And an end to fiddly notes and coins. Why, a phone or a card is all you need in your pocket. All this to come in this week's FT Money Show. I'm Matthew Vincent, and I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with my colleagues from FT Money, Joe Cumbo. Hello. Tanya Poli. Hi. And Elaine Moore. Hello. And our special studio guest, Ray Bolger, Senior Technical Manager at Mortgage Broker John Charcoal. Hello. Let's start then with the money news. This week, FT Money has been making the news as well as covering it, as Pensions Minister Steve Webb responded to our reports on the incentives being offered to employees to transfer out of their company pensions. On Monday, he called a meeting of pension industry representatives and told them to root out the practice, whereby scheme members are offered superficially attractive inducements to move into less generous defined contribution plans. These incentives, which on paper are worth up to tens of thousands of pounds, are increasingly being used to persuade people in final salary pension schemes to give up generous benefits. And more companies are now offering these so-called enhanced transfer values, or ETVs, as a way to get people out of their expensive final salary schemes and reduce their future liabilities. But pension industry insiders believe the minister may be set to ban ETVs altogether. Now, Joe... It was your reporting in FT Money that helped alert the minister to this very problem. What do you think he'll now do? Very interested to see his release, and he's using very strong language in the release. Uh, in responding to the reports, he said that very worried and angered about a report to this bad practice, and he named some examples where people are getting offered cash slump sums before Christmas, etc., wants to root out this bad practice. Um, Cash incentives are used widely across the industry either to enhance the uh, pension, that's called an enhancement, or on top of an enhancement to a pension. That's more when it's seen as a sweetener. But the problem is that the government has evidence that most people are ignoring advice to stay put in the final salary scheme um, and taking the cash incentive that the, the, the carrot being dangled in front of them is just too good and too juicy and they're making the wrong decisions. But there are examples where cash can work for some people, but 
the, the regulator says it's a minority of people where it may work for them to transfer out. So there is a balancing act to be um, done here for the minister, given his concerns. But the, the, the word I got back from the meeting, from those who attended the meeting on Monday, was that a ban is very much being considered by the government. But when I spoke to them today and I said, is, is it on the table? And they, they didn't rule that out. So it could be one of the options uh, which comes into play. It sounds like they are going to take uh, very strong uh, action here. Um, let's just look at an, at an example of the sort of thing that's, that you might be offered. Let's say you're in a final salary scheme. Um, what kind of enhanced you know, transfer value uh, might you be offered and what do you have to give up in order to accept it? Well, I've got a case study running in the paper this week of, of a gentleman who had built up quite a large pot after 18 years. It was worth £350,000. So he was, you know, the liabilities going forward for the company and managing the inflation increases on that and the benefits were quite big. They offered him 20% of that pot, which turned out to be 70000 which he could either take as a cash lump sum, which he would have to pay tax on, or have that piled into his pension as an enhanced transfer. In return for shifting out completely, not into the company's DC scheme, but totally off the books, he would have to give up future entitlements to death benefits for his wife, for example, if he predeceased her, and also ongoing increases, uh, inflation-linked increases, and the security of not having to worry about um, you know, the investment performance because it would continue to pay year on year. So those are the kinds of considerations that individuals have to make uh, if they give up their scheme. And these are very valuable um, benefits that people are trying to, uh, well, the companies are trying to persuade people to give up. The, ca- the case study that we used, the individual was... Um, quite a sophisticated investor and wanted to take on the investment decisions um, and was quite secure with other sources of retirement income. So he felt there were lots of reasons, not just the cash, um, why he would want to give up those benefits. But the evidence is that for people who aren't in that position, that the cash is looking more um, more of a priority for them. They're making short-term decisions and giving up the security and the, you know taking jam today rather than tomorrow having that peace of mind. So that's where the, the worry is about these cash incentives. And very quickly, if any one of our listeners has been offered any kind of incentive to leave a scheme, what would your message to them be? Well, the advice from the pensions regulator is, and from the pensions advisory service, is to get uh, a full opinion on that, a fact find and a suitability assessment to see if it really is in your best interests. Joe, thank you very much uh, indeed for that and for the latest on incentivised transfers plus an explanation of the pros and cons of transferring your pension. Make sure you read Joe's articles in the money section of this weekend's FT and online at ft.com forward slash money. Still to come on the show, will you ever need to carry cash again? But first, mortgages. In recent weeks, banks and building societies have been cutting their fixed rates and promoting what appear to be extremely cheap two-year fixes. It's now possible to pay as little as 2.79% fixed for two years. But, uh, Tanya, you've been looking at these deals, and a lot of them now come with hefty fees and conditions attached. And isn't there a danger that they could prove a more expensive option for borrowers in the long run, um, might a variable or a, a five-year fixed rate be better overall? 
That could definitely be the case. I mean, there are still some some attractive two-year deals out there which don't come with big fees and actually around the sort of 2.99% mark. And that's what um, a lot of the lenders are actually actively promoting. But I've got Ray um, Bolger here from John Charcoal. Um, two-year fixes still, even though they've got these cheap headline rates, they're not necessarily the kind of most maybe the most attractive option for borrowers in, in this current climate? Um, for most people, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, the 2.79% deal that Matthew mentioned comes with a 2% fee. Now, one of the benefits of a percentage-based fee is it, it's actually pretty easy for most people to work out what the real rate is. A 2% fee on a two-year fix adds 1% to the rate. Mm-hmm. So the real rate on that deal is 3.79%. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have a flat rate fee, the effective real rate depends on the loan size. Um, but... We've seen the cost of fixed rates come down recently and um, the Mortgage Works, which is a nationwide subsidiary, have just uh, been the, become the second lender to announce a, five, a five-year fix below 4%. Um, they've come out with a deal at 3.99%, available up to 70% loan-to-value. Now, that deal does have a 2% fee, but, of course, a big fee on a five-year deal is much less of a problem than a big deal on a two-year deal because if you amortise 2% over five years, it adds 0.4% to the rate, not 1%. So whilst I think we will see other five-year deals come out which may be better than that, that is still a good addition to the market. And the real reason for taking out a fixed rate is because you want to secure your payments, you want to know where you stand, you want to be able to budget. But the problem, in my view, with a two-year deal is that, bearing in mind the the rates are about 1% less than a five-year deal, you're locking yourself into early repayment charges for two years. If it looks as if interest rates are going to go up more quickly than we expect then you won't be able to come out of that deal without paying a repayment charge and you'll miss the opportunity to lock into a, a five-year fix. I actually think that rates are going to go up more slowly than the market, which is why I, I, I'm, I think that variable rates probably offer better value. But clearly, everybody will have their own view on that. And if you do want to buy security, then if you only buy that security for two years, A, you're buying it for a period when you least need it because rates are clearly not going to go up very quickly, um, and, and B... If you were right to buy a fixed rate because rates have gone up, then you can guarantee that at the end of two years, you'll only be able to take another fixed rate out at a more expensive rate. So either way, you lose out. So so whilst there will be some people for whom a two-year fixed rate does make sense, and a good example is the Barclays deal that's just been announced in conjunction with Bovis, 3.79% fixed for two years to 90% loan to value if you're buying a Bovis home, that frankly is fantastic value because there are very few decent deals available at 90%. Mm-hmm. But for the majority of people, um, I don't think a two-year fix makes sense. Either a lifetime tracker or a five-year fix will make more sense. And I guess it's worth pointing out that five-year fixes, um, obviously they were the sub-4% um, mark before Christmas, and now we're starting to see that go again. And that's obviously quite a historically quite low for five-year fixes in general, isn't it? That's absolutely right. We did see some five-year fixes creep below the 4% mark back in 2003 when bank rate came down to 3.5%. Um, the lowest they got to just before Christmas was 3.69, um, albeit with relatively big fees. Mm-hmm. Um, then as swap rates moved up, fixed rate cost moved up. Now we've seen the market reassess how quickly bank rates going to rise. Rates are coming back down and that's now being reflected rather belatedly in the cost of fixed rate mortgages. Do you think they could fall forever? I mean, is there, is there a sense that maybe some consumers will think, oh, we're back on a sort of downward trend for five-year fixes. Um, maybe I can wait a bit longer and sort of secure an even lower rate? Um, well, I don't think there's any mad, mad rush because I think there will be more choice below 4%. I rather doubt they'll fall hugely further, but 
Where you're starting from is absolutely key as to whether it's worth fixing. If, for example, you're thinking of remortgaging and you currently have a good, cheap lifetime tracker, mm -hmm. then the price to you of changing to a fixed rate is, is actually quite a lot. Yep. If, on the other hand, you're with a lender that has a relatively high standard variable rate, and quite a lot of building societies have SVRs between 5 and 6%, then, of course, there's more attraction to fix. Mm -hmm. The other key point is what your loan-to-value is. If you've got plenty of equity in your property, you'll qualify for the cheapest new deals. If you've only got, say, 10 or 15% equity, you won't. But the rate you're paying on your revert to rate with your current lender will be exactly the same as somebody with only, say, a 20% loan-to-value mortgage. Mm -hmm. So where you're starting from is a key point as well. Yep. I guess really you just need to actually seek advice and actually make sure you sort of really look at the, the cost of the deal and what's, what's best for your circumstances. Uh, that's absolutely right. And there are quite a lot of lenders now who on their variable rates offer a drop-lock option. Mm -hmm. So even if you do have an early repayment charge on your variable rate, that will allow you to switch to a fixed rate, albeit only from that lender, without incurring the early repayment charge. Yep. It's a bit worth worth pointing out also that those sometimes have a bit of a premium in terms of like you know a bit more expensive than the Best Buy lifetime um, tracker or variable. Um, some do, but not yeah, but not all, all do. Yeah. Effectively, it's one of those situations where the lender can't really justify premium for offering that facility. Mm -hmm. So it's a question of how competitive they want to be in the tracker rate market anyway. Okay. Certainly worth considering, Ray. Thank you ever so much. I'm still ruining the fact that I missed three point six nine mm. fixed for five years. How did I? missed that. Anyway, uh, for deals of the current uh, best fixed and tracker rate mortgage deals, look out for Tanya's article in the money section of this weekend's FT and on the website at ft.com forward slash money. And finally today, has cash had its chips? Last week, technology brought us another step closer to becoming a cashless society with the launch of the first mobile phone payment system in the UK. Orange and Barclaycard have got together to put phone readers into 50,000 shops, which will allow customers to buy items costing up to £15 by proffering specially enabled mobile phones. But this is not the only way to rid your pockets and your purses of small change. Barclaycard has also been issuing contactless credit cards since 2007. And just a few days ago, Starbucks became the latest retailer to announce that it would be installing card readers in its UK stores. Um, Elaine, I know all this technology is out there, and I've seen that advert with a bloke in the water slide who buys his lunch with a wave of a card. But have you ever seen anyone actually use these things? I've never seen anybody use these cards. My card certainly doesn't have contactless payment capability. Somebody last week had to point out to me the little logo on the corner of a card that shows you whether or not you can use it for contactless payments. It looks like sort of little lines in the top corner of the card. Right. There's apparently millions of them out there. I've never seen anybody buy a sandwich by waving their card in front of a reader. I think it's quite hard to actually know where those readers are. They're not really flagged up in stores particularly well. So I don't think it's really taken off what... The phone providers are hoping is that this will all change with the use of contactless payment technology within mobile phones. Yeah, this seems like it has a better chance of, of catching on because I, I suppose everyone's now getting used to using their phone for pretty much everything. Exactly. We like using one piece of technology to do a range of things, take photos, send messages, use email and maybe now make payments. What's quite exciting, so we've had the UK, we've got Orange has announced this this phone that came out last week. There's only one phone that you can actually make payments on, so it's it's still quite limited. But in the US, today, Thursday, we're expecting the Google to make an announcement about a new um, Android phone, which will have 
contactless payment capability. They're still being quite quiet. They haven't actually announced that this will come. It's been sort of um, reported in the technology press. So later on today, apparently in four different cities in the US, this will happen. If Google does it, then that that really could uh, open the the floodgates, couldn't it? Everyone will be at it then. Absolutely. So um, Nokia, which was the world's largest provider of mobile phones, they've been looking into this for ages. We know that. They um, don't seem to have sort of pushed forward in providing this to uh, a wide range of of people, a wide range of phones. But like you say, if Google does it, if if a phone that's very desirable has this kind of capability, then, you know, it's quite likely that we would see Apple and iPhones offer it as well. And once people have an iPhone with that sort of ability then I think everybody will want it. Yeah, I think so. Um, at the moment, as you point out, it's just this its just this one phone you can use. How does it actually work? Do you, um, do you get the, the, the cost of what you bought on your phone bill? Do you preload your phone with cash? Or? You have to preload your phone. So it's not the most easy system in the world. I think this, we're still a couple of steps away from using your phone like you would do a credit card or a debit card. Google's chief executive has been quoted saying, this is it, mobile phones are taking over from credit cards. But we're not quite there yet. You need to load up your phone with a sum of money. I think it's about £100 in the UK. I don't know what it will be in the US. You can then use your £100 to make small payments up to £15 in shops like Pret-a-Manger or Eat. So you can buy sandwiches or hot drinks or whatever. But they have to be quite small sums. And if your £100 has run out, you can't use your phone. You have to go back to your debit card. And The other thing, I suppose, is uh, now that we use our phones for pretty much everything, um, you know, I've got... I write articles sometimes on on, uh, on mine. That's why they're so bad. Um, but I've got all my contacts on there, you know, all, all kinds of details. If, if I were to lose that and it was my method of payment, I'd be completely stuck. We are getting to the stage where you have this one very vital piece of um, technology in your pocket that you need for everything. In terms of um, using your phone for payment, what the providers are quite keen to point out is that this won't be any less safe than using a debit card. So if you, if somebody took your phone and started making um, payments, you would still be covered by your bank or your building society. So you're not going to um, lose more money because of this. But like you say, if you lo- if you lost your phone and you had no other forms of payment in your pocket, then you'd be in trouble. Yes, yes, I would. I, I, I don't think I'll be an early adopter of this uh, technology somehow. Um, but thanks for that, uh, Elaine. And for more on uh, all of the contactless payment options currently available, look out for Elaine's article in the money section of this weekend's FT. But that's all we have time for in this week's FT Money Show. Remember, you will find all of these stories, plus daily news updates, blog posts and top tips on our website, ft.com forward slash money. And you can follow our tweets at twitter.com forward slash ftmoney. And if you've got a question that you'd like us to answer about any aspect of your finances, just email us. The address is money at ft.com. Next week, we'll bring you another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Joe, Tanya and Elaine and our special guest, Ray Bolger of John Charcoal. Goodbye. 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 For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or 
anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.